Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Pedro de Alcantara, who is an Alexander Technique teacher who lives primarily in Paris, France, but teaches in New York City and at other locations in the U.S. on a regular basis, and in fact uh, teaches um, at locations around the world giving giving workshops. Um, uh, Pedro is, um, I think, best known in the Alexander world as someone who's uh, specialized to to a large extent in working with musicians, and he has written uh, a pretty well-known Alexander Technique book called Indirect Procedures, A Musician's Guide to the Alexander Technique. He's also written a more general Alexander Technique book, called The Alexander Technique, A Skill for Life. And he has a new book coming out uh, in early uh, 2011 that we're going to talk about briefly uh, towards the end of of this interview. Um, he uh, also is a cello player, a cellist, and he has also uh, written uh, some... Uh, some fiction, uh, some some poems, short stories, and novels for young readers. Uh, Pedro has been a teacher of the Alexander Technique for about 25 years now. Uh, Pedro, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me on your show. Pedro, could you could you begin by giving our listeners a short description or definition of the Alexander Technique? I think uh, most Alexander teachers would uh, tell you that it's a little bit difficult to define the Alexander technique because it's so rich, but here's one version of the definition. I think the Alexander technique is a way for you to solve a problem by putting the problem aside and working on yourself instead, focusing on yourself, centering yourself, calming down, opening up your mind, and if you really do all of that, most problems tend to disappear. That's why I titled my book for musicians Indirect Procedures, because when you're trying to solve a problem, instead of uh, doing it directly, you go in this indirect way where the problem is less important than your own thoughts and your own actions. And by clarifying your thoughts and your actions, the problem will dissipate or disappear. So here's my brief definition of the Alexander Technique. So... Um and and the the technique um is pretty well known among musicians i would say probably that's right uh, more i'm i'm kind of guessing more among musicians than maybe other kinds of performers why do you think that is that's a good question since alexander himself uh, was an actor and he worked with so many people in the theater but i think you are right that more musicians than actors know the alexander technique I'm sure there are many different reasons for it, but I think one of them is that uh, a musician who takes uh, an Alexander lesson, and if the lesson goes well, the musician will immediately hear a difference in his music making or singing. Um, so there's a kind of a very immediate test where you can tell that you will sound better if you do certain things that the Alexander Techniques inviting you to do. So I think this immediacy of results is probably one of the reasons why musicians have recognized the technique for so long. Mm -hmm. And perhaps uh, 
often, not always, but often an immediacy of, of pain relief if that's the issue that the musician is concerned with. I think that's part of it as well. Although, uh, strictly speaking, you don't need to have any pain whatsoever to study the Alexander Technique. And uh, I myself, when I took my first Alexander lesson at the instigation of my cello teacher in college, I didn't have any pain. I was just an awkward player. My teacher saw that and uh, suggested that I take lessons. At the time, he himself was taking Alexander lessons. So I think pain is not a requirement to study the Alexander technique. Oh, absolutely not, no. But but I think, in fact, a very high proportion of certainly professional musicians uh, pay, play in pain at least part of the time. And... Um, uh, to me, from I'm I'm not a musician at all, but it does mm-hmm. strike me that it is an incredibly demanding profession, just just on a physical level, apart from everything else. I think that's true, and uh, the demands. I, I think there are a lot of different demands, uh, quite apart from the coordination of uh, finding a good way to be coordinated the instrument. I think when you make music, you're doing something that essentially is very, very big. Music is a kind of a path to the divine. And uh, making music, it's, uh, it's demanding from this sort of psychophysical and metaphysical point of view. And it can be a big struggle to face the divine and not know how to react. And I think musicians, uh, knowingly or unknowingly, are trying to do something very big and deep. And it's very, very demanding. And then you have the professional demands, uh, the rehearsals and the group dynamics and the tours and the lousy pay and the, uh, yeah, it's a very difficult profession. You Uncomfortable can chairs and music, sharing music stands, or, uh, which I, I, I first learned about a few years ago. That's right. If you play in an orchestra, usually... If, with a few exceptions, you'll be sharing a music stand with somebody else, yeah. and the stage will be quite crowded, and if you're playing in an opera orchestra, you're going to be in a pit that's not only crowded, but dark and damp as well. So it's true that the physicality of uh, music making can be uncomfortable, but that doesn't change the fact that if you have the absolute ideal chair and the best lighting and the best concert hall, it is still very difficult to make music and to do it well. Mm-hmm. So the the good chairs are only part of it, I think. Right, right. So uh, for a musician, uh, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in place of a musician listening to this and mm-hmm. wondering, okay, uh, I certainly can identify with those uh, those stressors in my in my uh, professional life. How mm-hmm. is the what 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 might I expect if I did call up an Alexander Technique teacher such as yourself? Mm-hmm. What might I expect to happen when I came for for a lesson? I think it's useful to think of the Alexander Technique as a vast universe, peopled by several thousand teachers, four, five, six thousand teachers all over the world. And within that universe, there are a lot of different ways of working. I don't think there's a standard uh, lesson or even a standard uh, school of teaching. But suppose somebody comes to me, uh, people will come with many different motivations, and um, I think the first difficulty is for you to understand yourself better. I think oftentimes people uh, have a feeling about what their problem may, may be, 
but so oftentimes the problem lies elsewhere. Suppose you have uh, tendinitis in the wrist and that's the trigger for you to take a first lesson. Most likely that tendinitis is only a symptom of uh, uh, a larger picture regarding how you, how you play or how you move or how you react to the conductor or how you look at a score and it's full of black notes and uh, you're nervous about not being able to play all the notes. So there are a lot of elements beyond your wrist. So I think uh, the very first duty of an Alexander teacher is to help you let go of fixed ideas about what your problems may be and uh, get you to step back a little bit and look at the larger picture and uh, start noticing things that you do habitually that you're not aware of. So probably in a first lesson, I would uh, put you into a number of situations, some of them very simple. You sit, you stand, you say something. Some a little bit more demanding. I might take you off balance and see how you react. And you can react either by freaking out or calming down. And I think you will see that uh, I'm, I'm talking to an imaginary musician that in many situations you freak out a little bit and sometimes you don't know that you're freaking out. You think it's normal to react the way you're doing it. And if you stop freaking out, you can think much more constructively about your life or about the problem, or about your wrist or about the score or about the conductor or about the profession. So I think that's what I do in the first lesson is just um, help you find a little distance from your problem and and take a sort of playful, playful, constructive attitude to the situation. Mm-hmm. And then as lessons proceed, um, maybe just say a word or two about the, the, the teaching process over a, a longer period of time. Um, it's so highly variable. I've had uh, some students who took intermittent lessons over 18 or 19 years with me. Now, I'm not saying that uh, a musician must do that. What I'm saying is that uh, in 19 years, you can do a tremendous amount of different things. It depends a lot on the musician. Um, There are some musicians who at first need to take some time off um, from making music within the lesson. You know, you just do a non-music lesson just Mm -hmm. to figure out Mm -hmm. where your neck is and where your pelvis is and if the neck's talking to the pelvis or not and uh, and how you balance yourself in in movement and how you respond to the the situation of the lesson. And then perhaps at some point you will play for me. And uh, usually I like uh, giving choices to my students. For instance, you play for me. And then I tell you something like this. I give you two choices. Um, You can talk to me about what you just did, or I can talk to you about what I observed. And what's very interesting is that uh, making choices can be very difficult. Sometimes people are a little bit nervous. But to become able to make a choice without uh, leaking out a lot of psychic energy is very useful. So the student might say, all right, you can tell me something about it. And uh, oftentimes what I try to do is to organize the feedback along three main lines. Things about coordination, everything having to do with the head, neck, back and legs, movement, tension, posture, and stuff like that. Then the second line of uh, thinking is rhythm, because that's the main state of music making. You you cannot uh, coordinate yourself well if you don't have a good sense of rhythm, so it's always good to make a study of it. And the third thing is sound, vibration, oscillation, everything that the musician is 
making regarding sound and those three things coordination rhythm and sound together give a very very good picture of what the musician is doing so i would give some feedback uh, regarding those aspects depending on what i see mm -hmm. and then propose exercises and procedures and tools and exercises and meditations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um i'd like to um before we finish the, the podcast, talk a little about your uh, new book that's coming out. But before we do that, is there anything more generally that you would like to talk about before we get to your, your new book? I think uh, in terms of the Alexander Technique, it's really very useful to refer back to Alexander's first and main idea as reflected on the title of his book, The Use of the Self. And the self is the whole person, body and mind, soul, heart, thinking, your history, your desires, your wishes. And Alexander thought that um, the most important thing in life is how you react to situations with the whole of yourself. So I think for everybody who studies the technique or who has a problem or would like to solve a problem, to embrace the idea that you bring the whole of yourself to everything that you do is very useful. It can be daunting at first, but if you really do it, it means that you will solve a lot of problems in one go because by coordinating the whole of yourself, uh, many symptomatic problems disappear. So it really pays a lot of dividends to embrace the idea that your whole body and mind work together. The way you perceive the world plays a role in how you move, how you coordinate your body. So my invitation to your listeners is that they um, embrace the idea that you can't really separate body and mind and you cannot really work on things physically. You work them on a psychophysical manner and, and that's my, mm. my conviction as far as the abstract aspect of the Right, and, and, and Alexander, uh, the, the man you uh, mentioned there, F. Matthias Alexander, is developer <laughs> of this work, uh, he, uh, he came to that understanding that mind-body are really two aspects of the same things. In a, in, a, in, a, in a situation where he was working on a practical problem of his own, which was a vocal issue, and it mm -hmm. was certainly not something he ever anticipated. He was not. That's correct. It it really um, it was quite a shock to him when he discovered the limitations mm -hmm. of not doing of not taking that approach. I mean, That's he right. was not he was not a philosopher by inclination, mm -hmm. and uh -huh. when he when he came up with that understanding basically in the late 19th century 1890s um that was uh pretty pretty far out thinking in the west at least uh that's right people it was did not, revolutionary didn't talk about mind body integration in uh, australia in the 1890s mm -hmm. uh, and that's so he so while you as you correctly pointed out that's that's a kind of the uh Oh, the intellectual underpinning of the Alexander Technique, it came about through very practical uh, set of experiments that he performed that forced, forced him into that uh, understanding in a way. He, he went, uh, he, he, he didn't, he didn't, 
I, th- I have a sense that he didn't go all that gracefully there. I mean, I think he <laughs> he, he probably fought that for a while. But <laughs> anyway, I mean, we don't know. But anyway, so I'd like to, um, as as we end here, mention that uh, my guest Pedro de Alcantara has written uh, yet another book uh, called uh, Integrated Practice, Coordination, Rhythm, and Sound. And uh, that book is coming out early in 2011, and this podcast will probably be aired around that time. And Pedro, could you just say a word or two about that book and wh- how, wh- what you're attempting to do in, in, in that book? Sure. I will go back to my first book, which is Indirect Procedures, A Musician's Guide to the Alexander Technique. I published that uh, in 1997, 13 years ago, and the book was well-received by musicians and Alexander teachers, and I got to travel all over the world, and I met a lot of really good musicians from whom I learned a lot. And everything that I learned over those years, I put in this new book, which uh, stays true to the spirit of the Alexander Technique, but it takes a, a kind of a new path, and it says that In music itself, uh, you have the problem and the solution. If a musician is hurting making music to some degree, it's because music is hurtful or the approach to music is hurtful. But I think you can um, take a little step back and uh, think about music a little bit differently, um, structure it differently in your thinking and your ears and then in your technique. And by doing so, music becomes the source of healing rather than the source of pain. And my book tries to make a case for that and invites the reader to use the rhythmic structure of language and the um, the sort of uh, the phenomenon of resonance, which essentially means that uh, you get a lot of sound with a very little amount of muscular effort if you let resonance do the work for you. So that uh, by making music in this new and different way, where you enter music from within and you let resonance do the work for you, you free yourself from muscular effort, from struggle, and you heal yourself through music making, just as you hurt yourself through music making. So that's the philosophy of the new book. And uh, it's going to be, um, uh, together with my first book, it's going to be the foundation and stone of a series of books that I'm writing for the Oxford University Press. And this series is called The Integrated Musician. After this book, Integrated Practice, comes out, there'll be books for string players, for keyboard players, for singers, for wind players. I will be writing a few of these books, and colleagues of mine, Alexander teachers, will be writing the other books in the series. Excellent. Well, I think on that on that note, um, uh, I, w- I want to thank you for being on the on the show today, um, Pedro. My guest has been Pedro de Alcantara, an Alexander Technique teacher in based in Paris, but works regularly in the States, particularly in New York, and uh, travels around the world uh, uh, teaching. And uh, if anything uh, that we've said uh, um, uh, in, during this interview has, has grabbed your attention, uh, and certainly if you live in Paris, uh, contact Pedro through his website and if you live somewhere else find a local teacher have have a few lessons and I think the things that we've been talking about will become much more concrete to you um, 
Pedro, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Robert.